0: It is Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. My name is Denny Gallagher. He's Benny Horowitz, and you are listening to the Tune Up Podcast. Welcome on into the show. As I said, my name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the insomniac poet, the (laughs) sneer campaign provocateur, the love child of Brenda Byrne and John Calipari, when he's not crashing, he's bashing. It's Benny Horowitz, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, Denny, I love I came that to intro. Play today. I didn't even know. It. I didn't
1: even know that was coming.
0: Wow, I can't believe you got a John Calipari drop already. Strong. Well, Strong. I mean, I, I I don't think for people that follow you that needs much of an explanation. Long time Nets fan, long suffering, still a little bit suffering at, at one and two, but yet here we are. Here I am living in the the glory
1: of Kyrie Irving every night, <laughs> dropping fifty on. I'm the the ghost of the NBA. They don't even know what happened to him And
0: apparently he's causing trouble again, but we'll get into that much later. Jackie Max,
1: she's dead to me. (laughs) Oh, no,
0: Jackie. Jackie's a sweet lady. Come on, we can't play her like that. All right, guys, so it's impossible for us to go from cold takes to hot takes. So each and every week we'll warm up with the Don't Fuck This Up Guy of the Week. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me. Don't fuck it up. Because I just want to make perfectly clear that Benny is a Zion to my J.J. Reddick. Sure, I've been on some good teams, but we all know who you're here to see. <laughs> all right, so Benny, who's your don't-fuck-this-up guy of the week?
1: My man this week is Lance Barksdale, the home plate umpire of Game 5 of the World Series, under heavy scrutiny for a uh, uh, a wide call on Victor Robles, which um, should have been ball four and was apparently going to lead to the utmost demise of Garrett Cole.
0: <laughs> well, my don't-fuck-this-up-for-me guy of the week is Steven Strasburg. Let me take you back to 2010 when Steven Strasburg was a cold glass of water in the baseball desert that was Washington, D.C. Now, simply put, he made that team relevant as the first guy that can uh, throw a 100-mile-an-hour pitch with ease. Mm. And then, like all promise, in the beltway, it was gone after just 11 starts. And he didn't return until 2012. And, you know, when he came back from 2012, uh, he got shut down in the postseason because of a innings restriction. Yeah. So a tumultuous start for him there. And, you know, varied success throughout the years. He yeah. had some injuries, but he's also had some big-time success. But tonight, Benny... We have game six of the World Series. Do, do you almost
1: feel like tonight is the is the the culmination I of do. Steven Strasberg's entire journey? Like <laughs> from like number one pick to the Tommy Johns to the comeback to the come down. Like I feel like tonight is
0: because the game for him. If you think about it there's no reason why he shouldn't have been this decade's Justin Verlander. He should yeah. be the one married to Kate Upton, married to Instagram <laughs> models, not this quiet guy that plays in the shadow of the U.S. Capitol building. That I mean, granted, this th- thus far this postseason, four 0 one point nine three ERA, but you got you got to think he's been looking at Justin Verlander this whole decade, thinking that should have been mine. And you know what? Like he should be licking his
1: chops because we talk a lot about Verlander, we talk a lot about Kershaw, these big name pitchers. And who's the best postseason pitcher of the last ten years? It's Madison Baumgartner. Right. Hands down. Yeah. So this is where you etch yourself in the stone is tonight. Mm. Basically the last ten years of Steven Strasburg, everybody forgets if if tonight goes a certain way. Right. And uh and that's the moment. And 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 reality I feel like Verlander uh, took a strong turn in his career when he went to Houston, but he started going to the to the. He was getting put aside. Right. He, he, this guy's over the hump. He's this. He's this, and then and then he makes that change. So Strasburg still has uh, plenty of prime years ahead of him if if he catches it right.
0: And I know that there's a lot of speculation about why Verlander's back. A lot of people think that the Astros are on have, have fed him a special diet of uh, of. You know, I like real, real homegrown uh <laughs> substances. No, 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 I'm sure he's been doing it the right way. Kate Upton would never do anything artificial. Were you saying Verlander's smoking weed? <laughs> not that not that that's a problem. I'm more saying that there's more of a problem when your head starts getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think Verlander now, with the postseason record he has, is in he's in he's in firm Kershaw territory now, where like almost Every time you see Kershaw throw a nice game in the regular season, put together a nice regular season, it's all kind of like, what is this for unless he gets to that point? Orlando's kind of in the same boat now.
0: And it's kind of funny how this Nats team, you know, in the Bryce Harper era, it was loud. They were boisterous. The Expectations were always a little higher than their talent level could provide. But this year, you know, they got a lot of veterans in there. They have a team of quiet guys, a – in many ways, this team, because they're older, kind of encaptures Steven Strasburg, the vibe yeah. of Max Scherzer. Yeah, that's true. So they haven't been expected to do anything all year. Most experts aren't going to think that they're going to win. After losing three games at home, you're not going to yeah. go into Minute Maid Park and even up the series. So yeah. this is par for the courts, and that's been here before, and I would not be surprised if they got it done tonight no. and forced to game seven.
1: Uh, it's nights like tonight. I'm pretty sure Rob Manfred... Uh, uh, calls the boys on the field and ensures he gets a Game 7. <laughs> they need those revenues, Denny. Revenues. He
0: needs that revenues with the NBA barking at, at their heels, the NFL. We, Benny, I don't know if you know this, but we had a holiday on Sunday. Tell me. The Sports Equinox. Oh, is that, that, that all? Yeah, that's all of, the, all of the leagues had a game on Sunday to tie in another sport and our next topic, the oh. NBA. It's back, Benny.
1: Oh, this has been— Uh, This is the reason I every year I do the same thing, right? I join fantasy football leagues. (laughs) I spend a bunch of money. I get invested. I got these nice rosters going. And then somewhere around week seven, I'm like, why didn't I lose every game after week seven? Why did I lose all my money in fantasy football? It's right. oh, okay, because the NBA started. I don't give a shit about any other sports after that happens. Once the World Series is done, I am fully focused. I'll watch Daniel Jones every once in a while, but I'm in full
0: NBA fever. So your Nets had a bit, as we mentioned before, had a bit of a rough week, 1-2, and two. Um, but that's not really what I want to talk about. You know, there's a, been quite a surprising opening week that yeah. I think is really good for the league. Really interesting. People are saying that the sky is falling in then Oakland, now San Francisco with the Warriors. But Benny, who surprised you most this week? Well, I got a couple teams on each side. Yeah. So
1: we're dealing with the East. I'm most surprised by the 0-3 Pacers. A
0: team, you know, uh, fairly. Which, by the way, I just want to interject here. Did you see the hashtags that the NBA put out? Oh no! So the official hashtag for the Indiana Pacers is, wait for it, hashtag Indiana style. Ah. Uh... Now I'm. I mean I. I thought I paid attention in sex ed as much as the next person. I must have missed this day of school because I've never heard of Indiana style before in my life. It's got to be a new one.
1: I'm a progressive guy, Danny. I'm willing to work it in. Whatever Indiana style is, I'm willing to field it at least once.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, try anything once. It doesn't hurt you. But the 0-3 Pacers, you know, a team uh, fairly universally picked to, to to finish top six in the East. I, uh, in my predictions column, actually left him out of the playoffs, so I'm looking smart right now. Your best player, main defender, ball handler, Oladipo is out until at least December, probably January. Brogdon has a nice player, but's never taken a primary scoring role, never mm. had to been the guy. And then the analytics just prove over and over again that as, as, as nice as they look together in, in a lot of ways, that Turner and Sabonis cannot coexist on the floor together Mm. so one of them is gonna have to go um i thought they were gonna at least tread water be a tough enough team a grindy enough team but i think they had some losses that um that they're undervaluing uh and a guy like thad young and you see what he's doing coming off the bench in chicago the kind of defense he plays glue guy you know you start losing people like that um and and they don't know how to put a uh, good defensive set together anymore. Um, I think they will recover. He's a good mm. coach, and, and they, you know, they'll probably still tread water. But for now, they're uh, they're the most disappointing team. And I don't know what they're doing with my boy Aaron Holiday. <laughs> Shouldn't be riding the bench anymore. He needs 20 to 25 minutes a night. And then on the other side, the most surprising team, and a positive, is my Atlanta Hawks. Oh, of course. A beautiful sleeper team coming out of the East. I don't know what world it is. But 101 points, again, second in the Eastern Conference right now. If there's any prediction we could have made about the Hawks, it certainly wasn't going to be that they were playing defense. Yeah. Um, I thought the Hawks were still a year away, thought they were still too young, still too many pieces to put together. But in this soft East and the way they look, I don't see a reason why they uh, couldn't get ahead of schedule. And not to mention the first three games, they won at the Pistons. They um Won at home against the Magic, very tough team, and then lost only um, by two to Philly last night. So Atlanta's, um they're here.
0: You know, the Hawks have been an interesting team. That that game that, that they played in the preseason against the Pelicans and Zion was out there was probably one of the more exciting preseason sure. games I've seen. But no, the the Hawks look for real, and people sleep on them last year. Yes. I mean, they, they were able to put together with the pieces they had down, down the stretch and were respectable. Yep. Now, it didn't, didn't turn in the wins, but it, it was respectable. Now, my most surprising team is, comes from a place that we're quite familiar with. What is this? This will go in the Texas Benny. Oh, okay. And the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Now, let me talk about Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is so tired of hearing about his failure at the FIBA World Cup. Mm. He's probably tired about hearing about Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Heck, I'm sure at this point, he's probably, because I haven't won in a while, he's tired of hearing about how good he is at picking out wine and what like a mentor figure and how good his dinners are. Sure. he Greg Popovich has gone out here and canceled the dinners. They're yeah. over until they win. Yeah. But the interesting thing that has set apart the Spurs this year and they showed glimpses of it last year. They're averaging, thus far in the first week of the season, 104 possessions a game. Yeah. Last year, they averaged a tick of under 99. And, but the difference in the first week between last year is they're actually scoring. They're shooting at a decent percentage, and their defense has, has been good. You combine that thing, those two things, it's 3-0. and Now, this upcoming week, they have a tough California road trip, and they go against the Clippers. But I think at, at, for right now, they're getting the Clippers at a good time, yeah. a time before they get Paul George, sure. and a time where their defense is very much suspect, i.e. giving up 130 points to the Suns. Yes.
1: What's fun about this uh, the the scenario with them too is I feel like Popovich is in the uh, you know the Bill Bill Belichick scenario where you know Bill Belichick is secretly hoping Tom Brady leaves this year, right? You know he wants so badly to show the world that he can win without Tom Brady and that it wasn't Tom Brady and it was him. Mm. And now I think Popovich is in a in a similar thing where. The modern NBA is the three-point ball. Right. He doesn't have three-point shooters. Exactly. And he's creating a team that lives on the mid-range and lives down low and plays good D. I think he's getting a kick out of the fact (laughs) that, you know what? I'm going to show everyone I'm the best because I'm going to go off the grain. I'm going to coach this team differently. You're all going to think 22 years of playoffs was going to end this (laughs) season. And I think he's going to enjoy maybe showing people they're not. But it's early. Right. Right. It's very
0: early. And by the way, just to bring it back to your guy, Bill Belichick, for two seconds. Incredible stars aligning, moons aligning, however you want to say it. First win of his career comes against the Patriots. Win number 300 came against the Browns. Ugly, ugly Browns team. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun to watch the
1: Browns be this bad for me this year. I think I could coach them better.
0: Oh, Shots across the bow to Freddie Kitchens. Sorry, Kitch. And come over for a beer, bud. (laughs) All right, next topic. Benny, let's bring it back to baseball for a hot second. Let's actually bring it back to Washington, D.C. So Major League Baseball has indefinitely banned the two women. Yes. Who flashed. Flashed. Garrett Cole.
1: Their breasts. They flashed their breasts.
0: They were. You know, some days, you know, you go on a European vacation like I did, Benny, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. Um did you
1: wind up on a nude beach? I Topless mean
0: beach? okay, well so let me just tell you this story real quick before we get it. It has to do with flashing actually. Let's go on. So you know, some days you forget your bathing suit when you go to a beach, which is you know it's kind of a problem. <laughs> okay. Some days on, I guess yeah. On a Red Rock beach in Santorini. I'm driving the ATV. It's a beautiful this a beautiful is what bay. for the
1: uncultured the this is a Italia? No, this is Greece. Oh, this is Greece. This is uh, slumming it in Greece. Slumming it in Greece. Okay.
0: So I'm out here. We have to hike to this beach. So, so you park the ATV, you start hiking. The Red Rocks is beautiful. All that stuff. It's like the amphitheater, but except with a beach. Which you know, not bad. Give and take. So, but then I get to the beach. I'm like, we we didn't bring towels. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had my bathing suit. And so there's no real area to change. There's no area to buy towels. So your boy just drops it like it's hot, like uh-huh. he's Snoop Dogg, and this is 2005, and expose <laughs> my American moon to the, to the poor patrons of Greece before going in the water. That being said, I wasn't banned from this beach, and that's exactly why these girls should not be banned from baseball games going forward.
1: Well, the question is, the city of Santorini, <laughs> do they have a code of conduct policy that ensures that you don't drop your pants on the beach? Because Major League Baseball does have this code of conduct. It's written into the rules that you don't expose yourself in public at a game. The only thing... Listen, I'm a grown man. I have very little issue with seeing a woman's breasts. You know what I mean? I've been married a long time. I have a daughter. All these things... Well, once you watch somebody uh, breastfeed for a couple of years, they kind of they take on a different life anyway. Um, but... The 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 thing I like the, like what if some guy just jumped on top of the dugout and just whipped out his balls and started spinning him around mm, the Garrett Cole, great. you know what I mean? MLB. So some Kanda. may call that the Philly fanatic. So as much as like I have no issue with this <laughs> personally, I do think like you do have to reprimand somebody, but lifetime ban. It sounds this is a little extreme.
0: It's almost like they bet on baseball.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> There's that. But the one thing I do, I want to call a little BS on, though, is I know these women were claiming they were doing this to raise awareness for breast cancer. Like, are they aware that, like, half of baseball wears, like, pink socks for a month (laughs) and shit like that? Like, like they kind of got that. That cancer is, like, covered. You know, there's about a 100 other cancers that get no recognition Mm. for Major League Baseball. Breast cancer gets, like, a month. (laughs) So if there's anyone that, like... Didn't need any more help. It's maybe that one.
0: Let's get back on track, not to pay homage to your other podcast, but uh, (laughs) was baseball the least important thing that happened in game five? You know,
1: obviously, realistically, it wasn't, but if you paid attention to the media and the talking heads afterwards, all you're going to hear about is the missed call, Um, which I, I think is a real bummer, honestly. Like, you just watched a team that, you know, slam through the regular season a beautiful baseball Mm. team like what a great team to watch and they lose the first two games and you're like oh man astros are done huh like everyone wrote them off Mm. and then you you rip off three dominating wins on the road you you throw like one of the greatest pitchers of the last few years you know guy who looks like literally fucking nolan ryan and all i can hear about is this pitch and I think that is, is an inherent part of the problem that needs to be addressed and the fact that we shouldn't be talking about this and there shouldn't be controversy. And it's getting to that point where this technology is becoming such an inevitability. I'm finding the period we're in frustrating mm. because it's going to happen. So like, let's just do it. There, there, Something happened, right? Five or six years ago when somebody at home Me or you watching a game with no DVR, no uh, any special technology, no laptop, no anything, could watch a couple simple replays and shots given to us by the network. And we know better than the umpires do. We know better than the referees do. I do at Mm. home. And if that's the case, then like the human error can't be allowed anymore right. because it's not romantic. It's, it's just wrong. Yeah. It's just plain wrong. And the fact that we're not talking about the Astros doing what they just did and we're talking about the pitch, to me, is the inherent reason we need it.
0: But if you take... An, and not to be the purist, not to be like that like old guy, but if you take the human... Where I'm going to el- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if, if, if you take the human element out of it, like, it's just sports. And, and, and I know... That's like a full stop for a lot of people, I know, especially people with gambling interests that want. Sure. But are we really, I think a lot of people when they get upset at, at officiating, okay, the fandom is one thing. But then a lot of it has to do with gambling and how that influences sure. uh, people's thinking and in, in, in turn the outcome and how they feel about this situation. It's sports, human error. Is supposed to be a thing. Now, would you like the umpires to get it right as as much as possible? Absolutely. I mean, they do get it right most of the time. But then I'm seeing all these thing pieces about it's time for an entirely almost like a Watson IBM style umpire for Mm -hmm. like behind the plate. At what point it's like, what are we doing? I get baseball has to go into the future. I get it has to be more socially conscious and, and up to date with what people are doing. But I don't think... Getting rid of umpires is the way to do that.
1: Well, from what I know, the umpires are not being proposed to leave. What's gonna happen is the umpires are gonna be
0: pieces like people like us on the Oh, I see, I see.
1: They're gonna be fed the calls on an earpiece or something, apparently. But but the one the one contest to that would be how many times through the years did did an umpire have a problem with a pitcher? Right. A lot right yeah like you used to see it all the time yeah and there were certain umpires who would just give these guys like a hard time and mm. not give them the calls and another guy you yeah. like to played baseball the right way mm. or something like that so you're going to tell me like this one umpire who say like is like an old school baseball purist umpire like like just you know comes from this you know make baseball great again like you know school <laughs> and Runs into a guy like say, like Juan Soto's a pitcher oh. and he's doing his like his cock and balls routine <laughs> be, between every pitch. You think that guy is going to give him the same exact calls as he's going to give another? I don't think so. And that's where I feel like the human element has always been a part of baseball, but I'm not necessarily sure it's charming.
0: If you try to take away the imperfection from something that's not meant to be perfect. Mm-hmm. All of the beauty of it goes out the window. You think so? I do. So even if the
1: product is incorrect.
0: Well, what's incorrect? I mean,
1: if 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 we're watching a call, yeah. right, that literally like 100 million people are all going, yeah, that's a ball. And we knew in two seconds. You know what I mean? We yeah. all knew. And just this one guy, this poor guy, who's basically called a perfect game up until that right. point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's two inches off the plate and that's that's all that is that's all that's there and and part of the reason again, this was part of the prom was Ryan Zimmerman walked on the same pitch, mm. literally I, I yeah. forget, but but maybe in the same inning right um so so when you have something like that like back to back and and it does you know, I know the baseball players you know, they, they're they usually good company men mm-hmm. after the game. And yeah. they're like, no, no, no. Garrett Cole beat us. This call hmm. didn't beat us yeah. this and that. And that, that may be true, you know, but like another guy gets on base and who knows. Right. So I, I, I'm in between
0: my evolution of thoughts on turnovers on, on calls that go against y- your team. Be like, that should not define the game. And, and I get in some instances it should, But there was a whole lot of play leading up to all of these calls. Of course, where you could have, where made that moment matter less. Sure. Now, I mean, yes, I I get what you're saying. These guys need need to get it right, and most of the time they do. These guys are
1: very good. Yes, they're so good. They're very good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. But going for perfection, I mean, it's like I like I see why people want it. It just, to me, doesn't make sense. What about this? All right. Maybe this is the middle ground. Yeah. Every umpire
1: knows their style. And before the season, they go, hey, I'm a low and outside guy. (laughs) And they just tell the should have been the name
0: of the podcast.
1: The low and outside guys. (laughs) God damn it. So, Danny, basically, you want to stay in the past and I want to
0: move forward. So what's going on? I mean, yeah. It I mean, makes I, sense. Look I, at our I, haircuts.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have people out here thinking that I'm part of the Trump family. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, next topic. On Monday, a federal court revived a lawsuit against Taylor Swift that had been brought up by a pair of songwriters who alleged that she lifted lyrics from their 2001 song for 3LW. Have you ever heard of these people before I read the story? Of course I, no, of course no. I haven't. <laughs> uh, player's gonna play, yeah. which I'm sure is uh, yeah. off of a a track that the Gaslit Anthem left off one of the records. <laughs> That's actually Brian's uh, stomach <laughs> tattoo. Play. Is that coming up on yeah. uh, on players brand gonna new play yeah. uh, on his brand new LP? Player's gonna play. Yeah, it's from it's from a uh, Springsteen song <laughs> in the late '70s. Yeah. So that was uh player's gonna play for the chorus of her 2014 number one single, "Shake It Off," and I think. Everybody knows Shake It Off. But, Benny, my question to you is this. What is the difference between lifting lyrics and creative influence? Obviously,
1: it's like a nuanced right. conversation. You know, there's a lot to it as far as intellectual property and creative property and the, the way people feel. This case is absolute bullshit. Like, just to just to be clear about mm-hmm. it. Like, literally... The lyric that they're contesting is play is going to play. Hate is going to hate, which like, you know, if something is just such a common part of vernacular, like like a there's literally no way to prove it Um, and b, it's obviously such a, a money grab reach. I think that anybody besides for the lawyers trying to make some money off this case hears about this and is like, yeah, that's absolute dog shit. And it's almost it's sad that it's such a waste of um, you know a legal expense and things like this, because I think anybody who even like goes near it knows that it's total mm. bunk right um, But that's not to say that this concept doesn't exist, and people haven't stolen before, and that they should be held responsible for it. Mm. Um, but the idea that there's there's two ways you can do this with you, you can pay tribute to an artist and be so over the top about that tribute that it's obvious and that if the other artist doesn't like it whatever but it's still it's it's a tip of the cap Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's one way that like i don't see anybody can have a problem with this the other way is if you're actually stealing music Mm. melodies leads you know if uh this same lyric was sung by Taylor Swift in the same way that this band sung it, I might f- find more credence to the argument because yeah. people don't give a shit about the lyric; it's right. about how you're saying it. Yeah, it's the cadence, it's the melody. So, so if if that was the case, then then I would support it. Have you ever heard by any chance uh, the the band Spirit? Yeah, who Led Zeppelin stole. Mm-hmm. Stairway to Heaven yeah. from. Like, that's really fucking obvious. Or like
0: Robin Thicke when he stole uh Blurred Lines from Marvin Gaye, right? Exactly.
1: Like, it's right there. And that's when, if you're going to do something like that, you have to spend the money. And you have to hit up the estate of the person that mm. you're trying to get that from. And you have to try to do it legal. And if you don't, then those people should sue the shit out of you. Because, the, you know, there's something about... And I even... I have some regret even about this. Mm. Like, I remember Jack White years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say verbatim because I don't know it right off. But he said something in the lines of like, I'm going to sell my stuff and I'm going to make money off it because people are going to steal it anyway. And I see it a million times now. You ever seen a commercial that's like like this great riff, yeah. like like Rolling like, Stones, like some, Satisfaction yeah. or something? And there's just like one little schmeh, like off about it. Mm. And then this company just got away with biting your fucking song legally you know what I mean? And and there's all these ways around it. And, you know, uh, an artist can go into it being like, you know what? I don't want to appropriate my music. I don't want to commercialize my music. I don't want it used for this stuff. And then once you get to a certain point, you have to jump through some serious fucking hoops to make sure it stays that way mm. and that people are going to take it anyway. So I, I go back and forth with stuff like this. I, I, I believe in this idea That in an art form, you should be able to pull and take and create in in very open ways. But at the same time, like, it's not like everybody who does this is doing great. Yeah. And sometimes you only get one great idea and that one great idea is valued. Mm. And if somebody steals that and takes it as their own, I mean, that's literally all you fucking have. Yeah. So it needs to be protected. And I wish people who were putting together this lawsuit were not because it's so obvious that it's
0: a sham that it makes a lot of the real ones illegitimate. All right. Next topic. Walgreens will shutter nearly 40% of the clinics in stores and drugstores as the company tries to cut costs. But an interesting thing they're doing here, Benny to more than a hundred stores, they're adding Jenny Craig locations. So they can't take care of what you need in terms of medical stuff, but they can help you lose weight. And Newsflash here, and I'm not trying to shame anybody. If they were to get rid of the sweets and the <laughs> snacks from a drugstore, which has no place in being there, you would not need the Jenny Craig and the Walgreens to begin with. Well, let's go back to—I mean,
1: <laughs> the original drugstores. Okay, the sort of one. The, okay, they had candy. Candy okay. was necessary, but I, I don't know if you—you you noticed in this story that that in conjunction with everything that's going on, which I thought was hilarious, is that Walgreens is teaming up with the supermarket chain Kroger to, you know, make their food section, you know, a little more comprehensive while now offering Jenny Craig on the other side, which is one of the greatest (laughs) ironies like I've ever seen in a place like this. But it's the classic American model. It's um, somehow we've managed to like often completely separate uh food and wellness Mm. and for some reason some people just don't put it together that they're connected (laughs) right um so i don't know if jenny craig is gonna help wait but does it is jenny craig one of those ones that like sells their own products like weight watchers they have like
0: food which i think which i would think is like a competitor to kroger in like some of these stores so now we
1: know what happened
0: Now I know exactly what happened. So Kroger bought Jenny Craig? Exactly. Or here's my theory about what's up with Jenny Craig. I think they're kind of like us in the podcast scenario where they're looking for a location because for years, Jenny Craig was out of offices. (laughs) They were out of these offices and street malls. You'd have your... Chinese food, you'd have your post office, and you'd have a Jenny Craig office. So Jenny Craig just
1: be subletting right
0: now. They're just subletting. The rent it. got too high, yeah. and they need to move in. They're essentially doing what most millennials do. They're moving back home yeah. before they can spread spread their wings and blossom. Uh,
1: Walgreens is the disappointed mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, next topic, final topic here, Russell Westbrook, who... Not many people were expecting for him to start the season as well as he had averaging the double-double still. But he had some interesting comments when it comes to hooping and friends and what's the difference between the two. Here's the quote. This is how it goes. When I hoop, I have no friends. On the court, they know not to talk to me. Steven is a real close friend of mine. Steven Adams, that is. But inside the Lions, there's no friends. Spalding that's my friend <laughs> and my teammates but that's it before russ. the game Woo! after the game i'll talk to my guys that doesn't mean that i don't have friends but during the game nah i don't if you try to talk to me i ain't gonna say it. to you bulldog what Ruff. up Ruff. oh i love him oh i love russ don't you love russ? i
1: do love russell westbrook you know it's funny the first thing i know i know he's my boy now you know, and Katie and and myself, oh. well, we're in the corner uh, together forever now. We're in the we corner. All this Nets corner sly in the family stuff. But fuck, if they aren't just the most antithetical players you could meet. <laughs> like like beyond the Thunder thing now, you know, and what happened and the fallouts and this and that. Like those two represent like generations mm. at this point. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like Westbrook is a different kind of guy, mm. and. I don't know which one's better. I mean, Westbrook doesn't have the ring. He's the one who's like so hardcore. Yeah. You had to stay in Oklahoma City and, you know, do his thing. And Kevin's that typical millennial who's like on his, <laughs> you know, like beautiful spirit quest to feel good, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't really have <laughs> much to do about the other stuff. So I think these guys are really representing an interesting thing right now with like what they are. Russell Westbrook,
0: though, I mean, fuck if you wouldn't want that guy in your team, <laughs> come on. I'll say this, you know, a lot of people are are always like, "Oh man, how could they, how could they have traded hard, and how could they have done all this stuff back then?" I kind of think Sam Presti may have known that this is where it was going, hmm. and that it was either he he was either going to have to get rid of them for the longevity sake of the franchise, or it was going to combust in their face. I'd put it like this with these three: Kevin Durant is like the if we put it in, in terms of comics, right? Sure. Like, KD got, like, this, like the Seinfeld series. He got, like, the whole thing. He blew up. He did all that. James Harden is on a sitcom every year. He's doing good, but he's never going to win the Emmy. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is still in the clubs, and he sees all of his friends on TV. And, yeah, he may go out to, like, Nanuet and, like, <laughs> you know, like, Port Chester, and he's doing shit. But you know he's not like at the same you know, level. You're,
1: you're talking about an NBA MVP right here. You know that, right? He's not in Nanuet. This is Russell Westbrook. You're crazy. They they came they came one shot and two seconds away from winning a finals. You know. But like, compare. I'm
0: I'm saying compared to the other guys, you know, I, and, and 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 NBA. Oh.
1: So you're saying, all right, so Kevin Durant, you're saying, is like what George Carlin? You know, like one of the big boys, yeah. Richard Pryor. Yeah. We're saying uh, James Harden is what
0: like Ray Romano, <laughs> <laughs> like you like saying he's like. I was gonna disrespect him a little even more. I'd be like, "Hey, Laurel Howry." Oh my where, goodness. We're like he's in like Get oh Out, goodness. but like, he's not like you know. And then Russ is just like you know the comics comic, right? Well, I
1: know you're asking that if this kind of situation where you have no friends on the court yeah. translates to music, right? Where, so so w- when you're asking that question, you mean is there? A competitive thing amongst people when you're playing the same show, you wouldn't talk to each other to make sure that you, so, like, you gain a competitive so, advantage.
0: So maybe you're not like at like the gov ball level where it's like okay, like you're playing at like night and like stuff like that. Yeah. But you're at like a battle of the like a bands, like say like you're in like the Stone Ponies like battle of the bands competition. Right. And you know it's like not real thing, but you're hardcore into it. And the other bands come out and you're like, that wasn't that good. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's different. Yeah. I think because you're not uniquely competing against each other, right? You know, maybe in a battle of bands scenario, you are competing yeah. against each other, and and people would do some uh some dirty <laughs> shit to get in the heads of the other bands. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine like some some young fifteen year old band just walking from band to band doing some dirty manipulative, some, like Tanya shit. Harding shit. Just yeah, yeah like... yeah, like oh, take a fuse out of that amp, do this, like just start fucking with them. But I I get the impression, you know, the thing with music is like it, you know, if you're if you're all playing a similar style of music and you're doing this, like I do really believe that the 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 rising the rising tide helps all. Right. Um I and I went through something specific. This brought up a memory when I thought of this. Okay. So the first time I did Warp Tour, actually the only time I did Warp Tour, it was a couple weeks in 08 and it was an interesting mix of bands like uh, Gaslight was on and we were on at the same time with uh, Against Me, the Street Dogs and the Bouncing Souls and a couple bands like that. So we had our old our old boys on the mm. show, you know, a bunch of old punk rockers like salty older dudes <laughs> into this type of music and this. And this was at the peak of like the like metalcore, core, Christian metalcore yeah. like scene. Mm. and you could go to a warp tour show and you would watch the bouncing souls play to 500,000 kids, you know, like great show and fun. And then you go over to another tent and you'd see the devil wears Prada playing Mm. to 10,000 kids Mm. who are going ape shit. (laughs) And it became the, the tenor of the, the punks on the tour to talk shit and to, to be mad at it and to, you know, which is coming from where? Like it's, probably coming from a place of jealousy you know what i mean in in reality and the first few days i kind of went along with it i was laughing along i'm like yeah fuck these bands whatever and then i'm sitting there one day and i'm watching one of these bands i'm like you know they're really pretty good they know how to play like the only difference between these kids on stage and me is like tighter jeans and like just some arbitrary differences of opinion in what you think is good music right Mm -hmm. but in reality like you go outside of this festival they're all looking at all of us the same and like we're all in the same thing here and like like where are you getting by chipping everybody else down and trying to fuck with other people's success while not focusing on your own thing and what it is about you that's maybe not interesting people what it is in yourself that's not doing this and why are you going to And not to mention if you actually walked up to one of these bands we were like, hey, you guys are really good. That band will probably take you on tour in six months, (laughs) and it'll help your career anyway. Mm. So so I did abandon this idea that, like, you should no more be so self-righteous that, like, you get to determine who succeeds and who doesn't because it's not up to us. And you can really only control your own product and be good to people around you and then go from there. In basketball... I'm sure Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook are like, probably went out for breakfast mm. this morning. They're having a good time. But when it comes on the court, there's no, no positive for anyone <laughs> to be friends out there.
0: What I gained from, from that story, Benny, is that Chris Paul is the punk rocker of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it might be true. <laughs> With his $40 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, we like to wrap things up here each and every week. We do our token meme guy of the week. When we started recording this thing, Alex Caruso couldn't understand why uh, Laker fans love him, why NBA Twitter loves him, how he's become a meme. So he's become like a token Beautiful meme guy. white biceps. And, and, <laughs> and his hops. But I, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, Benny. Rihanna was at Laker game. <gasps> she was. Kind of had their eyes for Mr. Alex Caruso. Is that right? Right. So well, hey, being, wow. maybe being a token meme guy isn't such a bad thing. Oh, you're welcome, Mr. <laughs> Carissa. <laughs>
1: Benny, do you have a token meme guy of the week? I do. It's gonna be Davey Martinez tonight looking aghast at a horrible call that a robot would have gotten right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of robots, my guy is Kanye West. He, he's had an interesting couple of days. Uh, I don't I mean people like praise music, people like all that stuff. I think he's become a caricature of himself, and I don't think he believes what he's putting out. And my big review of Jesus is King is it would be much better as a Chance of Rapper record. God bless you, Kanye. All right. That's all we got for this week. Thank you for checking out the Tune Up podcast. My name's Denny Gallagher. I'm Benny Harlots. And until next time, everybody
1: love everybody.